Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Freshly Minted Emig Cast. I'm Nick Chapin, and I'll be your host for today's show. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege to sit down with a really fantastic group of emergency department nurses from here at OHSU and pick their brains about how medical students can really shine during our rotations in the department. They've been doing this for a while and have seen many a good deed as well as many a not-so-good deed from various rotating students and have developed a really good sense about some of the concrete actions, behaviors, and ways of thinking to help future students succeed. Although many of the pointers they give are relatively translatable to other rotations, as well as life in general, some are pretty specific to the department due to its fairly unique team sport atmosphere. At the end of the show, we'll have a recap from emergency physician Dr. Josh Cornegie here at OHSU, who had some great points to emphasize about the episode. So stick around. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. So my name is Nicole Mavison. I've been a nurse for about four years. I started my nursing career in Colorado, where I worked for two years, about two and a half, and I am just recently to OHSU about a year and a half ago. Um, In the department, I work as a charge nurse, a charge and triage, everywhere, pretty much you could think of. My name is Katherine Tang. Uh, I've been a nurse for a little over five years. Um, I've worked previously in urgent care um, and then kind of as a float nurse in multiple different uh, specialty clinics and primary care clinics. And then I started working in the emergency emergency department at OHSU about just over three years ago. Um, And I also work as basically any role, charge, trauma nurse, uh, in triage, all over the place. My name is Diana Bijon. I'm also one of the ED staff nurses. Um, I've been an RN for um, going on eight years, and I started my career at UCLA at the main Westwood campus. Um, I was there for three and a half years and then moved here, so I've been here for almost five, which is a little crazy. Um, And like Nicole and Catherine, I do all the roles, so charge and triage lead and trauma and everything, so... Happy to be here. So I think the first question, kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, but it's a common sort of dilemma among medical students as to kind of how to stay involved with the work that we're doing on the rotation without getting in the way. Mm-hmm. How have you seen students kind of manage that line, manage that dilemma, uh, well or not so well? Start by introducing yourself yeah. to the staff. <laughs> if you introduce yourself to yeah. the nursing staff or to the charge nurse or to the person in triage, they're going to know who you are and they're going to let you be more involved. When we just see random people floating about, it's a little bit different, difficult to incorporate them and sometimes they do tend to more get in the way if you don't know what their purpose is and mm-hmm. what they're getting out of it. So I would always say start by introducing yourself. I'm always very impressed with, um, I've had a couple med students that have checked in like you know with asking like who's charge and then chatting and saying hey I'm med student working tonight or um, just let me know how I can you know if there's any cool things happening lines that you need Um, so I was really impressed with that just because now I know who that person is and I can reach out to them if you know I need help or if there's something cool happening um, and and work with them to take it um, I was I one guy stands out in my mind and I don't know his name but he came up to me as charge one day and they all the students that go through the ED have that silly tic-tac-toe board that needs to go away because none of them get the NG tube when they're the ED. <laughs> anyway um, 
he said to me, I'm so-and-so, I'm a medical student, I'm here to get my um, ED experience and I want to you know, get as many tasks done as I can, but I also want to help you with anything that you need help with. He's like, I'll push gurneys, I'll take people, I'll transport. I was like, yes, thank you. Now I really love you and I'm going to go out of my way to find the really cool procedures and bring you into the room because I just the, just that willingness to be down and dirty in the trenches with us was um, mm-hmm. refreshing. Yeah, so that sort of bridges into the next question. How can students make your job easier? I think a, one thing that I could think of is sometimes the students are, you know, chatting more with the faculty or their resident or whoever they're working with and might know plans uh, that are in play and that we might not have been updated about yet. Yeah. Um, so making that extra effort, I mean, communication is a huge frustration um, and something that always can be improved in. And I think that if there's a med student that knows what the plan is or has gotten chatted with the resident or a um, off-service um, doc that has come and consulted, um, it'd just be really cool to touch base with your nursing staff and say, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I've heard is going on, and that is huge for us. Yeah. Kind of going off of that is also not only the communication piece with the nursing staff and the physicians, but also with the patient. Mm-hmm. Med students tend to have a little bit more time on their plate, and that communication that they spend with the patient can really go a very long way in the patient satisfaction as well as the ability to understand more about what's going on. Granted, they do need to you know, do more focused HMPs, more focused assessments, but that extra little bit of time that they may have mm-hmm. really goes a very long way with our population. What are some common pitfalls that you see students fall into? The helicopter medical student, like the helicopter parent, the one that like yeah. follows the nurse around. Did you is did this patient get this yet? And it's like, okay, honey, hold on, I'm managing my patient assignment here, and you gotta understand how the world works a little bit, and this yeah. is not instant gratification. Yeah. So that I there's one female that stands out in my mind. <laughs> I wanted the looks. Um, and I I did actually have a little conversation with her to say like listen basically you need to back off and this these things will happen I am the primary nurse and I will get these things done I know they've been ordered but you have to be patient yeah so and at any time we could have four to five patients you know that we are prioritizing yeah so even though you know sometimes med students have a tendency to just kind of tunnel vision like my patients the only patient whereas we have a whole department of things that are going on and that nurse may have the charge nurse on them saying hey i need you to get this patient out of here i need a bed or i need you to medicate this patient they have to go to ct and so it's taking into consideration that there's a lot more in play than just your tunneled patient yeah Do you have any specific, no names of course, but any specific <laughs> stories of, you know, the helicopter medical student, anything anything else? And then the, um, I, I, I really appreciate introverted personalities um, in my personal life, but, but the emergency department is not a place where you can just sit back and be really shy and quiet. Um, you're not going to get a good education if you're, you, you kind of got to be strong and be not rudely in people's faces, but you need to be present and make your presence known, um, hopefully in a, in a really friendly uh, manner. But 
there are a lot of students who I think are, are intimidated or, or shy by nature or introverted by nature, and, and I, I like forget that they're there, truly. Mm. They introduce themselves when they arrive, and then a lot of times um, we send them to triage because that's a really good place to get a lot of procedures, like they get IVs, they get EKGs, and that's all on that tic-tac-toe board. <laughs> um, but as the lead triage nurse, it's really a busy place, and we yeah. are turning people in and out and assessing constantly, figuring out who's sick, who's not, who can wait, who can't, and all at the same time getting workup started and making decisions really fast. And if they're not vocal, I forget they're there. Mm-hmm. And then I don't teach. I don't talk to them because I just forget in my busyness. And I, I feel bad about that. But at the same time, you've got to advocate for yourself and be part of the be part of the day. Kind of have to get the feel, feel of the room. If we have a really critical patient, I don't want you jumping in and trying to put the NG in and trying to put the catheter in because I need yeah. to get that patient to the OR or to the ICU. But if they're stabilized... But jump in and rotate through compressions. Yeah, do that. That's, that's very helpful. But if those are tiring. Yeah, but if they're stabilized and you say, hey, this is the perfect opportunity and things are kind of... You have to get a feel for the room. And I think that that also is one of those things people have or don't have. Interpersonal skills. It's one of those interpersonal skills yeah. that's not necessarily always taught, but a feel for the room. If it's chaotic, if it's really stressful, it may not be the most appropriate time to jump in. But if things are kind of calm and... You'll get a feel for the different nurses as you're there and their personality and just approaching the ones that are really willing to teach Mm -hmm. um, or let you jump in. And I think for the most part, like in all our traumas, med students do a lot of our foleys, a lot of our NGs, a lot of our assessments. Like we let them do a lot um, unless, you know, the patient is crumping and then, you know, things start feeling different in the room. You can like feel Mm -hmm. the difference between the physicians and the nurses, so. Mm -hmm. What do you think is is the most important (coughs) skill, whether that be like medical or personal, that a student can bring to dissertation? Personal, I think personal. personal. Yeah, Yeah. they're, I mean, they're they're gonna be smart. They're gonna have a great knowledge base, but um, learning how to talk to patients um, therapeutically and then to talk to staff uh, is I think hugely important and, and going to be a mark of how successful you're going to be um, with your career because if you if people like you and respect you they're going to want to work with you for you mm-hmm. and work well so um, I think that's a huge um it's very important, and I think it's a little, it's not as valued um, with, I guess, mm-hmm. objective type learning, but um, very important. Mm-hmm. And then just coming in, like, with the mindset of, like, we're a team, mm-hmm. sometimes it can just be very, you know, here's the docs, here's the nurses, here's the techs, or whatever. But in the emergency department, we, like, that is how we function as a team. And if we're not, all on the same page and communicating with together and it's going to break down um and it would be it's very frustrating for nursing you know if we we don't feel like we're being heard or being listened to um vice versa you know it's a team effort and like that's the best for the patient is when we're cohesive Mm -hmm. um so i definitely agree are there things that students can kind of focus uh, as they're going through the other rotations that we have as third years, uh, specifically like internal medicine or, or just 
things to sort of be aware of to help kind of put us in a good position for the emergency medicine rotation, like specific things that... Hone those assessments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to like really assess a patient and look at them and notice the pitting edema and mm-hmm. notice, you know, the... Just when you look at them, the JVD or, you know, really... Sick, not sick. Yeah. versus not sick. Sick versus not sick. It's really difficult and it takes a lot of time, but just being able to mm-hmm. to do that will get you very far. What, what would you like to see students get out of the rotation? What do you think? What do you oh, think at the end of the four weeks? We an understanding of of the sort of the operational part of emergency like medicine too, like the big flow. picture yeah, of yeah, yeah. this is how hard it is to move someone. Yeah. This is how hard it is to like get somebody admitted. Um, this is how hard it is to figure out what's going on with somebody who's a real mystery, and then maybe like that, maybe there'll be like a memory of that <laughs> when they go into their specialty and they have people sitting on the wards that could be discharged, you know, two days before they're actually let go. I don't know. Um, but I think the big picture mm-hmm. understanding of the way the emergency department works mm-hmm. as a whole, like as the whole, the team dynamics and the being ready for anything at any time. And we don't get to choose our census and we work with what we've got at all times. Like we don't have the beds, we don't have the rooms, we don't have the equipment sometimes and we figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just developing a little bit of an appreciation for that mm-hmm. that big picture yeah. of how it works, and then so like when and, you're accepting those patients right. or sending them to us, you know what to tell them mm-hmm. to. They're not going to bed right away. Yeah. But my doctor said <laughs> I was going to get a room. Um, so I think that that is probably one of the most important parts. And then if this really is like their passion, like we all have a passion for it, that's why we still do it. Um, this is what they really want finding out how to be a good resident finding out Mm -hmm. like asking us like what can we do asking Mm -hmm. our residents what can we do to like make this our profession and what we want to do as well like Mm -hmm. that intrigues us that makes us excited that makes us want you know to help you as well Mm -hmm. so yeah not coming in and like acting like you know everything and then you don't yeah, and then it's just <laughs> embarrassing. I mean, you know, yeah. Just yeah. be open to questions. We everyone has started, you know, as a student mm-hmm. in some some point, and ask questions and don't be afraid of asking a silly question because we all there's no silly question. And we've all probably we've all asked been there. Yeah. yeah. So it's better to do that than to come across and be like, oh, this is how it's gonna be, and then you know, because then you really will miss. Yeah, how we treat a patient because mm-hmm. because you will you're not involved and we won't seek you out to involve you because mm-hmm. we've got a lot on our plate and that's one more thing mm-hmm. um, to do but there's some really there's a really great TED talk on vulnerability being able to show vulnerability is actually really powerful and people will respond to you much better and respect you more if you're able to do that mm-hmm. um because it shows honesty and integrity and mm-hmm. all those things. It's just a good talk to listen to about yeah. like interpersonal skills and developing relationships because that's what it's all about, um, mm-hmm. especially in the emergency department. We're very, we're tight group. So yeah. multidisciplinary, like everybody works together mm-hmm. from, from the CNA to the transporter to the nurse to the everybody, to mm-hmm. the doctors. Mm-hmm. And then I think also like anticipating the next step and keeping that in mind. Sometimes 
you know, when we get bogged down with lots of patients and lots of things going on, sometimes we can get like stand just in a standstill where nothing's happening because we're not anticipating like what what's the next, where are we with this patient? What's the next you know thing that we're thinking with getting them to their you know to home to inpatient to wherever, mm-hmm. um, just working on anticipating. We sort of t- talked a little bit about this, but just overall, what makes a good emergency medicine doctor? Like, what what are you looking for in a physician? A good communicator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that a big one? That keeps us in the loop. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And someone who can lead. Um, mm-hmm. Someone who can walk into a room and lead when things are bad, mm-hmm. uh, where everybody knows who to look for, who to look to mm-hmm. for what, what do we do? Like, this is bad. What do we do? Um, and then, and ha- somebody who has that big picture view mm-hmm. and knows everyone's name. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. so, any, any critical situation runs better when you can have close, you can't really have closed loop communication as easily when you don't know people's names. So it's like you red jacket, you, you know, <laughs> one, one more of Epi. Like, like <laughs> what? Um, so, in a bad situation when you have somebody directing individuals that are working on that patient. Because when you're the person at the bedside working on the patient, like if I'm doing meds or if I'm doing a line, I don't have the big Mm -hmm. picture. I'm trying to listen to everything, but I can't because I'm concentrating on getting my doses right or getting that line on the person who's coding and it's really hard to get IV access when somebody's doing getting compressions. Um, So... But having that voice in the room and you know who it is and you you have respect for them because you know that they're smart and they're a leader and they can communicate and you just like them. Those are the people you trust. Mm-hmm. Those are the people. Mm-hmm. Those are exactly. the people that I want to run mm-hmm. a code with. Right. That are calm right. leaders. Right. Not the frantic like. Obviously, there's going to be stressful times and there's lots going right. on and there's a really sick patient, but that can remain have that calm leadership. I think is right. Huge. Also, someone willing to ask questions and answer questions. Right. Because we are jack-of-all-trades. We don't have a specialty. We don't just see renal patients. We don't just see cardiac patients. We see everything. So a physician or a student or somebody who's willing to say, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to find out, or I'm going to call someone who knows, or I'm going to call this person, or someone who's like, you know, as a nurse, I'm going to come and say, hey, I'm just confused. Why are we doing this? I thought we usually did X, Y, and Z. And they can be like, well, and explain it to me. I find that those huge. people, yeah. that's huge to me. Somebody willing to to do that for us and better the whole department. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. One huge thing for like transitioning into being a resident, even med student, but listen to your nurse. Like We are at the bedside a lot more um, and when we come up to you and say, you know, we're really concerned about this patient or, hey, like, there's something not right, like, can you come check this patient? Or um, if we ever come with a concern, like, please don't disregard it or be like, oh, they looked fine or I'll get around to it. Um, we know that you guys are, like, super busy and you have tons of things on your plate. You're being pulled in six different directions at the same time. Your it's usually us doing the polling as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually oh, yeah. we it's all totally all of yeah. But just listen to your your staff, your ancillary staff, your nursing staff. If they're concerned about a patient, like listen to that and don't disregard it. 
Um, there's been several times where personally I have gone up to a resident and said like, hey, I'm concerned about this patient. Can you come just take a look? Um, I think they're really sick or, you know, I think they're headed south versus north. And, um, you know, they're like, okay, like I'll be around to it. And I'm like, no, like I would like for you to come now. And I get this kind of pushback, like hesitation. And it just, that immediately makes me frustrated and feel like my input is disregarded Mm -hmm. or not really important. Um, And I think that's a huge, um, yeah. Yeah, when you don't, when you don't know people, I think there's, that might come from maybe like overzealous staff nurses that kind of bug for everything. point like poke finger in the back like for every little yeah. thing and and I think maybe a physician staff can get desensitized mm-hmm. to that poke yeah. in the back like mm-hmm. that goes on all day long and when you're a student and you're only there for four weeks or whatever it is and you, you don't know the personality you don't mm-hmm. know who's the, the who the who's the nurse who cries wolf all the time mm-hmm. or who's the one mm-hmm. who's like wait when Catherine is asking me for something I need to get out of my chair and go because yeah. she's not mm-hmm. gonna so um, when you don't know people you just have to assume like be err on the side of caution, go see the patient. Mm-hmm. If if a, if a staff nurse is saying they're worried about somebody, go see the patient. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, you could. I mean, you could get yourself in trouble, right? Or mm-hmm. let the patient get into trouble. Mm-hmm. So. And listen to our ideas, because sometimes we, for residents, we like to nicely say. Oh, would you what like to? <laughs> would you like to add some blood cultures, or would you like to add a lactate? You know, yeah. and pointed suggestion. So it's like it's a very pointed suggestion. We're trying to help you out. We know it's coming down. You know, done at a time or two. This is probably what they're gonna want. It might be a good idea to order this because we do want we want everyone to succeed, succeed. and yeah. we want to do what's best for the patient is really what it comes down to. And so if we know that this is coming down the road for the patient. We want to do that, and we want to help everybody get to that point, right? Yes, which brings me, I don't know why this brought me here, but um, <laughs> no, that's how you're the, 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 pick, the pickpocketing order, what do you, what do you oh, call yeah. it? Like the, the, piecemeal. the piecemealing orders. Okay, let's have a discussion about that. <laughs> so a lot of times when people are new, they'll order like a CBC, and then they'll walk out, and they haven't staffed it with the attending yet. And then the attending's like, well, yeah, you need to like do a complete workup. If you're gonna start this thing, you gotta do it all. So then more orders go in for more labs, and then, and then they walk away. So you're basically you're killing the efficiency of your nursing staff. So when you order, when you decide on orders, please like talk to the patient about their pain. Ask if they're gonna need pain medicine because that way that nurse can go in, get the line, get the labs, and be there with pain medicine all in one shot. Mm-hmm. Instead of that nurse having to go in yeah, and out yeah. and in and out and in and out for like one workup, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, try not to be a piecemeal order. So that's all for the interview. We have a brief recap with Dr. Josh Cornegie. Take it away. My name is Josh Cornegie. I'm one of the faculty sponsors for EMIGCast, and thanks so much to listening to this episode. Just wanted to take a minute and uh, uh, first of all thank Nick for doing this interview and for letting me sit in. It was a really, really nice experience to get to sit in and listen. But most importantly, I want to thank our our nursing staff. So thanks to Catherine, Deanna, and Nicole for their time, their service in our emergency department, and most specifically right now for their great advice that they gave all of us as emergency medicine providers. 
So I just wanted to recap a couple of things that they spoke about. Uh, first of all, Nick mentioned this kind of in the intro that a lot of this advice is good for life in general, lots of rotations. How to get along in the emergency department, I think, does go along with a lot of things in life. So first of all, you've got to learn how to play nice. And the first thing you do, you need to introduce yourself. And that was number one that I think everybody said. When you come on shift, make sure everybody in the department knows kind of who you are and what your role is. I think this is stressed when we walked into the patient's rooms to introduce ourselves and our role to them. But it's just as important when you come on shift. You're working as a team. And if things are going to get done for that patient that you care about in a timely manner, um, it's crucial to introduce yourself to the HUC, to the nursing staff that's going to be taking care of that patient, and to the other people on your healthcare team. So the other residents you're going to be working with and you're attending. Easy to do, but easy to forget to do as well. Number two, and I love this one, uh, don't be afraid to get down in the trenches, um, to be a go-getter. Uh, I talk about this with our residents all the time. My philosophy for working as an emergency medicine physician is I do not want to expect other people in the department to do things that I myself am not willing to do. And I think that this will take you a long way in life. If you want an NG tube placed, you should know how to place an NG tube, and you should have done one before. If you want a fully placed, you should know how to do that as well. IVs the same way, EKGs the same way. So don't be afraid or think that that job is beneath you as the medical provider. Um, get in there and you can learn a lot from those experiences. Number three, with that in mind, have some, some degree of social awareness. Um, in high stress situations, which are, which are not few and far between in our environment, um, it's sometimes very difficult to know what to do as a medical student. Um, having a gauge and a barometer for the room and the stress in the room is hugely important. Um, jumping in on an airway as a fourth-year medical student is probably not going to get you very far in your evaluations. So sometimes the best thing to do is sit back and observe if you don't have the time to ask what you can do to help out. Uh, this is a critical issue, a uh, very important one, and one that I think we're going to be devoting an entire episode to in the near future. Uh, so stay tuned for that, where the medical student uh, can provide care in the resuscitation. Number four, communication is key. So if you don't take anything else away from this podcast, this is the one. And this goes for residents that might be listening, for other faculty member that might be listening. Uh, the plans that we develop and design for our patients, the key to them getting done is our nursing staff being aware of those plans. So if you put in orders on a patient, if you've made a disposition on a patient and they're ready to go to the floor, all of this needs to be communicated to your nursing staff. It really does lead to unity of your teamwork, uh, and it's also a great time for education if nursing staff have some questions about why you ordered a particular test or why this patient's needing to go to the ICU. So don't forget, when you make a decision, communicate that with your nurses. Speaking about education, don't be afraid to be educated by your nursing staff. They've been doing this a long time, as Nick had said. Um, they have lots to give back as far as technical skills, procedural skills, kind of social cues that might be going on in the room that you might not be aware of. So don't feel like you can't take advice from the nursing staff when you're in the department. They add a lot to what we do every single day. Even ask them for feedback. I tell our residents this every shift. Ask a nurse for feedback. Um, they have a very different perspective over the career that you're doing and the service you're providing than you do. Um, they don't really care if you know the Krebs cycle and can draw that out. What they care about is what you do with the patient at the bedside. So ask them for feedback. Take it and apply it to your practice. 
Number six, develop some sort of global vision for the emergency department. Don't get too tunnel visioned into just your patient. And again, this is a goal that is a lifelong goal for all of us that plan to be emergency medicine physicians. We have to be thinking of the patient sitting in the waiting room. Um, We have to be thinking of the patient on the other side of the department that the other team's taking care of in case they're in a trauma and we have to step in. Um, This is a lifelong goal for anybody in emergency medicine. So just continue to develop that and start to develop that as a medical student. And finally, number seven, start developing some leadership skills. This is kind of vague, but it really does incorporate everything we've already talked about. And you will be, at some point in the not-too-far-off future, the person that everybody turns to and looks at for answers when a super sick, critically ill patient hits the door. Um, You have to be able to instill confidence in that room and confidence in yourself. So I encourage you to take the advice from our nursing staff Uh, Take some of these recaps and start seeing how many of these you can apply to your own practice as a medical student so that when you're on rotation, you're a leader. When you're a new resident, you're a leader. And then in a few years from now, when you're the attending doing the resuscitation, you're that same leader, but just a little bit better. Well, that's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening, and special thanks to Deanna, Nicole, and Catherine for all their great insights, as well as to Josh for his recap of some of the key points at the end. We'll have those points, as well as the link to the TED Talk about vulnerability that Deanna discussed, all in the show notes, which you can find now and forever at www.emigcast.com. Also on the website, you'll find a place for any feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Check it out, tune in next time, and spread the word. Take care.